Hi, I'm Ivana Martinez, and when I was a kid, I wanted to be a tour manager when I grew up. But now, I'm a talent manager. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. I'm joined today by Ivana Martinez, a talent manager at Forward. Ivana graduated from Baylor University in May 2014, and three months later, she packed up her entire apartment to head west. After almost a year of odd jobs in LA, she landed the opportunity to interview for the WME Mailroom. From there, she learned the ins and outs of the entertainment industry by working in the talent department for three and a half years. Ivana loved having a front row seat to some of the groundbreaking business decisions that shape our media. Working with talent was always her goal, and now she gets to do so in a more personal capacity as a talent manager at Forward. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Ivana. Oh my gosh, it sounds so cool coming from you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. So we always like to start with something that's recently sparked our curiosity. For me, it's this author named J.R. Moringer, who people might know him actually from having ghostwritten Phil Knight's book, Shoe Dogs, okay. and also Andre Agassi's book, Open. Oh my gosh. And I just, I read Andre Agassi's book last year and really loved it. Yeah. And Oh yes, duh, you're a huge tennis fan. I've recently become a bit more of a tennis <laughs> fan in the past year or two, yeah. So I read that book, absolutely loved it, and then... A friend of mine recently was recommending this book called The Tender Bar. And I was like, oh, right, cool. Let me write it down. Not to like, be confused with Tinder. It's not to be tender. confused with Tinder. Completely different. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's the memoir of this author, J.R. Moringer. Uh-huh. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, let me write it down. Like, I, I'm going to write a note book that Lee suggests. And she's like, no, no, no. This is a book that Lee demands you read. And I was like, all right, all right, relax. I'll I'll take a look. (laughs) So I ended up checking it out from the library and it's like every sentence is just so carefully well-crafted. And as a, as a writer myself, it's, it's one of those things where you're kind of in awe in the sense of like, wow, this is so good. But there's like a part of you that's also kind of defeated, like, damn, like I will never be this good. Why even try? No. But uh, but it's just been such a joy to to read. And I realized like I've actually read other things he's written. Like he did a GQ profile mm-hmm. of Kobe like way back in the day. And oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was just looking back at that recently too. And he's mm-hmm. just a really gifted writer and it's been cool too. As somebody who wants to write, I always like to look for people I can learn from. And so he's somebody who's really sparked my curiosity recently. I- can't believe you went to a library and checked out a book i think libraries are so (laughs) underutilized so underutilized especially if i don't know if i like the book like that's amazing why spend like 15 to 20 bucks on amazon and then if you don't like it you have to go through the hassle of returning it and all of that i feel like that's the new library so i'm like really proud of you for sticking with the thank you yeah and i mean like also from like a minimalist perspective Mm -hmm. of not wanting to have a bunch of stuff in your home that you you know you're going to read this book you're going to finish it and then you're going to give it away or it's going to decorate. There are some that are decorative. <laughs> yeah. As we look at your bookcase. No. And I think, I think it's yeah. important to have books in your home that you'll come back to. I certainly mm-hmm. have books where if I'm in a certain mood, I'll revisit. Yeah. But if it's just something where I want to capture the narrative and move mm-hmm. on, then 
which is like 90% good, of my yeah. reading. I think the library is so good. Yeah. I don't know. So yes, I'm a huge advocate of libraries as well. <laughs> yeah. That's it, what I learned. What's crazy is at my local library, the woman who works at the the parking the parking attendant there, she re remembered me from high school. Oh my gosh. Because every, <laughs> every day I would go there with my tutor for AP Calc when yeah. I was in high school and she's been there ever since. And so whenever I see her, she's like, oh Wait, my God. AP Calc A or B? Uh, I was an A. No, I didn't. Or make, B or C. It's what A B it? or B C, right? Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I was only an A B. Okay. I was, I'm not a huge math person. <laughs> Same. But uh, no, it's cool. And yeah, I could go on a tangent about libraries, but we'll cap it there yeah. and we'll shift to your and, and no current. more calculus. No Although more calculus. I was very thank good. God. I, I got like a four on the AP. Exam. <laughs> I was very good at calculus. I didn't even take the AP. That's <laughs> how how much faith I had in myself. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Miss oh Wardman. I, oh I skipped that. Oh <laughs> Uh, but now we'll shift to your cur yeah. curiosity. Um, I'm really taking it somber, but and I'm also going millennial. So yeah. on Netflix, like over um, Martin Luther King weekend. Yeah. Uh, I my partner and I, Tommy, we were like up in like Arrowhead, but you know it's so freezing. And I'm just like, okay, like we can stay in and watch something. And we actually ended up watching the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Oh my goodness, yeah. Which I I never known about him heard about him or anything but obviously i wanted to watch it because a it's sports which i love and then also it's a latino which obviously is my culture so i mean the three episodes that <laughs> go so far deep into like his personal life yeah and less of the trial and i just feel like i never knew that like all the not like choices or decisions or behaviors that you have like as a parent can so affect your child and how they're going to turn out just as a human being. And then obviously, you know, there's like CTE and all that stuff that was kind of like messing with his brain, but just hearing about like, you know, his father passing and that was his hero, but like his father also like physically beat him. And then his mom like quickly jumped in with like another family member's husband and like, you know, blah, all this stuff. And I'm like, so into learning about people and their behavior. And I feel like it, rather than like villainizing him, I, I empathize more with him and how he was. And ultimately like he wanted to be a great dad to his daughter, but he also was like hiding a very like strong, like character trait of his, which was like his orientation. And I don't know, I felt like very bad, but then I also watched, uh, like an investigative discovery, you know, those like weird investigative yeah. discovery things. And, um, it was like the trial of Aaron Hernandez. And then like, even Robert Kraft had to go. Like it was just crazy, just hearing everyone that was called up and what was happening. And I don't know. Yeah, people have been talking about. <laughs> I went that. into a hole. <laughs> yeah, people have been talking about that series in the writers' room I work in now, and yeah. it's it's uh, very gripping from what I hear. Oh my gosh, yeah. I was just. And but I also my problem was like I wanted to binge it because I just was so interested in hearing what else was happening yeah. and like how do you get away with not just one murder but like three. So, and then how did you play a whole season of football? And then, you know, it was, and then like all that stuff, I was just yeah. in shock, but also that kind of stuff like really gets your attention. So you have to follow it as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, and Netflix knows that better than anyone else, I know. which is wild. <laughs> so yeah, that, that documentary is, I, I'm not sure if I can stomach it yet. I might need to like mentally prepare before well, I dive I mean, in. I watched it before everything that happened with Kobe. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. So, yeah. I mean, I feel like sports figures are put on a pedestal and you can either crumble under the pressure or thrive in it or, you know, 
I mean, Aaron Hernandez went to the same college as Tim Tebow, like two people on completely different ends of the spectrum. Like I think Tim was almost seen like a Messiah of sorts, like a second Jesus. Cause he was just so about his faith and being a good teammate and, right. you know, all that stuff. And then he turned out to be not a great player, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, but you know, like those Two kids play for the same team yeah. on the same college. Completely different people. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It makes know. me think like uh, a while ago I was at a class at USC and <laughs> it was all about the style of Spielberg. And because it's USC at the end of the semester, Spielberg <laughs> came in for a Q&A. Of course. And he told this The story. luxuries of going to <laughs> the University of California. 100%. So he told this story though how in the late 80s, I think, he was having a conversation. I don't know exactly when, but it was with, I think, Scorsese and mm-hmm. maybe Francis Ford Coppola and or Woody Allen, some combination of those three, mm-hmm. about wouldn't it be cool if we were all given the same script but then went off to direct and like the result and how different it would be That'd for be each so of us. That would be so interesting. I feel like I'm just going to put that out there. That that's a Netflix series I would watch. Or yeah. even just an episode. If they were given, you know, if Scorsese and Spielberg. Or even and, like a short or exactly, something. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. If, if, if it was one hour, but 20 minutes was Spielberg's take. 20 minutes was Scorsese's take. 20 minutes, I don't know. Taiko Waititi's take. Whoever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think, I think that'd be fascinating. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know. You heard we'll, it here you first. You heard it here first. I'm pitching that out there. I'd love to we will see that. We put the treatment together. Put the treatment together. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, but that's a good transition into kind of entertainment and the process and where you find yourself in the process. Oh my gosh. So you knew that you wanted to be managing talent. Yeah. So growing up, I wanted to be a tour manager, which in music is uh, the person that like, goes on the road with the band. That's eventually what I wanted to do. I really like loved all these pop punk bands and I'm like, oh, I just want to go be on the bus, make sure their whole tour goes as like every show is going as planned and all that stuff. And then I kind of realized in college, like, oh, I can't have a home base if I'm living the tour life. Like I so respect every music manager and tour manager that does it. I just can't see myself doing it. So then I was like, okay, well, I really love movies and I love TV, like some invisible hand is there telling them what they should be doing. And then I just like moved out here after telling my parents, um, for like a whole, my last senior year before graduating, I was just like, I'm going to LA. And my dad was so gun ho about it. So he came with me, moved out here and then just learned. And I got very lucky that I landed at the William Morris Endeavor <laughs> <laughs> mailroom. And so from there, it was just the best foundation that I could have gotten in the best training and the best learning experience into what this all is. Cause I just had no idea. I'm from, t- I'm from a small town in Texas. I don't know anything. I just take in and consume the media. You know? So you knew that I got to be in LA, but you weren't sure exactly what the next move is beyond that. I knew it was LA or New York, but I didn't want to be in New York. Cause I just like theater is great. It's just not my passion. And like, I think you have to be really passionate about it to do it. And it's like a whole other beast out there. Or if I really wanted to be like an indie film producer, I would have done it. But I didn't. So I was like, they're all out here. We know this is like the hub of some sort. Right. (laughs) So you come out here and then you spend the first year working odd jobs. Yes. And that was, was that mostly to just buy time until you can find your way into an agency? It was, I think my parents were very supportive and they're like, we're going to 
wait until like we'll help you until you get the right thing but I just need some sort of routine so I worked I mean I did like a Craigslist job I eventually landed at like a job in Toluca Lake helping like um a manager who all his clients were like in Mexico or Latin America and then I met like a boutique manager and I helped her for a long time and then I helped like this production coordinator out in Santa Monica for a long time and then I also worked at TJ Maxx like just providing some sort of structure to my life and then I landed WME and I learned that it was definitely going to take up at least 10 or 12 hours of my day yeah for five, five days a week and I was like okay I gotta cut everyone else and then just come and do this and really like dedicate myself to it thank god I think that was the best decision I could have done because I can't imagine doing another job while working at like a big agency. Yeah. <laughs> and was the process as simple as calling WMEHR, asking where to submit your resume, or was there anything beyond that? No, I got very lucky. And there was um, a, like a former classmate of mine who was out here that was working at WME in music. He was, and he invited me to a barbecue with like an agent there. And I just started talking to the agent and I was like, man, how do I get my foot in the door? That's all I need. I really want to do this. And he was like, oh, just send me your resume and I'll make sure that like our HR sees it. And then like the next week I had my interview and then the next week I had the job. I also started in April, which is when everyone wants to do like Coachella and stuff. Yeah. So I think I got, I was like perfect timing in terms of that because they needed a lot of people to cover desks. Yeah. But other than that, it just, it just all happened very quickly, but I'm very, very lucky. Do you remember anything about what the interview was like? Um, no, I don't like, I know they asked me if I had any internships and stuff yeah. like that, which I didn't like my internship I had was with the Baylor football team, which is not entertaining in any sense, but it did teach me about like working with different personalities and adapting to it all. Cause I think at the core that is what the business is. It's yeah. like the the lifeblood of the industry is relationships and how you can be with other people and how you work with them. So I think ultimately that's what really did help me. I was just like, I have worked with so many different people. I can do this and I want to. That's what they want at the end of the day. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So once you do start at WME, mm -hmm. what was that experience like, especially being in the mailroom? Like for people who aren't familiar with that, can you, can you give Elaborate. that insight? I mean, lucky for me, I, or maybe not for me, but I didn't read like the mailroom or any of those books that most kids read in college yeah. to like learn more about what this industry about is about. So I was like very open-minded and very wide-eyed to it all. So I, uh, when you get there, you're basically told, A, you're going to train to be a floater, which is covering someone's desk while they're gone, an assistant, not an agent, of course, but the other times that you're not covering for someone you're in the mail room and it's just sorting mail and pushing the mail cart around and giving it to like all the respective offices. And to me, I, I didn't know. I didn't have an ego about it. Some people hated it. Some people complained about it very openly, but I mean, I just knew I was very lucky to be there. So I had to soak it all up while I could. And then we did a lot of like script covering, which I didn't know much about, but I learned about it. And like, it really helps you like, I guess, articulate your thoughts better than you thought you could about material. And at the end of the day, that's imperative in this business in all aspects. Like if I don't know how to tell my client what I think of the material, or if you can't tell a buyer, hey, I'm making the show and this is everything that it is, you know, 
what is the point of everything if you can't get your thoughts across? Right. And coverage is such a huge part of the industry because an agent has so much going on. They don't have time to read a book. Yeah. (laughs) They don't have time to read for pleasure, let alone like try to figure out like this 400 page book, whether it's right for any of their clients. So the first step is get someone to do coverage, which usually is either someone in the mailroom or their assistant. Yeah. And it's critical that you be able to evaluate is this something that could transition either to TV or to film? Mm-hmm. And how did you learn about what they were looking for and how to convey that? Because there are some projects that are awesome. Like you'll read a book that is amazing, a great page turner, but not might not be right yeah. for that agent's clients. Yeah. So or how, how do, does this yeah. translate on screen? Exactly. Yeah. Is it visual? So how did you how did you go about you know learning and improving on your coverage? Oh my gosh, I mean naturally they had like a whole story department that kind of helps you with notes and stuff and i think the more and more i got that back i was starting to learn what they were actually looking for like you can't just get it's not a book report where you just give a summary and you're like i like this book or whatever in fifth grade it was so much more beyond that like and i think just the more that i did it i was able to get a hang of it and then when eventually when i started working for talent agents if their clients are sent something i can just read it if my boss asked me about it i was able to give my thoughts like in a quick like three to five sentences and you'll know yes or no is this right does it make sense yeah just more and more practice makes perfect they say yeah totally (laughs) so it's cool to hear that you went into the mailroom with no ego and just literally didn't know anything yeah (laughs) i feel like that's the best and only way you can really survive right because if you're going in with an ego there are too many other people out there like yourself without an ego who are happy to do it and will get noticed and will move up it's just crazy because you know you hear the phrase ignorance is bliss and everyone's like that's not true but for me it it really was because yeah you know i when i was at school we did st- like my major was music and entertainment marketing and we did kind of learn the basics of it. It was really focused on music mainly, but I had no idea about studios and production companies and casting and all this other stuff, all these other elements that were part of like, is this person going to get this job and how, whatever that whole, and how do they end up on the screen essentially? And so it was great for me because I just loved talking to people. Like I would talk to assistants and other floaters and all this stuff, just learning more about what they knew. Cause I knew that like, well, I, c- I can't know anything. I can't know everything. I'm one person. So everyone else's experience like kind of helped me as well. It was really yeah. great. I, I loved every moment of it naturally. <laughs> That's how we met. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I remember we met when I was, I was in the mailroom. I was mm-hmm. taking, I was picking up, I was doing a sweep, as they call it, right? A sweep. When sweep, so that's when you're sent. What is it, like 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. or I something? So. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, so yeah. you're sent up from the mailroom <laughs> at certain hours to do what's called a sweep, which is when you walk around the floor, like let's say the third floor of an agency, and then you collect mail from the outbox, or if something needs mm-hmm. to be tossed out, they leave it out for you. And I remember <laughs> I said, I'll come back for your box, because it was, <laughs> it was a big box and I didn't yeah. have room in the cart I was pushing and you're like okay you're like nobody ever comes back yeah and then when I came back you were like oh my god what department do you want to be in let me help you <laughs> no, nobody ever a, comes a genuine back person <laughs> I feel like you know you can get really caught up in 
the busyness of it yeah. and like everyone like i feel like busy is like the new common term that everyone says like i'm so busy i can't yeah. grab dinner with you or i'm so busy i can't do this and so like in in that type of environment i feel like especially when you're like a floater and you're new new to the whole system or you're an intern or something you can get caught up in like what you're told to do or what you're supposed what you're supposed to be doing and so when people are like whenever I'd be like, Hey, can you take this out? I'm so sorry. And they're like, Oh, I'd like, don't have room or like, I have to go do something else. And I'm like, okay, like don't sweat it. But the fact that you came back, I was like, Oh my gosh, he's, he was like genuine about <laughs> his responsibilities. You know, it's so shocking. Thank you. Which I shouldn't say that. Cause I feel like people are great people. It's yeah. just, you can get caught up in yeah. like the franticness. Yeah. And I feel like you're like, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So did you know, you know, when you were in the mail room and, you go mm-hmm. on to become an assistant. Did you know specifically you want to represent people in front of the camera? Hundred percent. You always knew from day I one. I knew from day one. It wasn't a matter of maybe a director, maybe nope, writers. Never. You knew, you knew actors. I knew that if I'm reading a script, I want it to be greenlit or financed, and I want to cast it. I do oh, not wow. <laughs> like. I do not. Want, not that I don't yeah. respect it. It's just I cannot. I feel like the development world or anyone in that scene. It just yeah. takes so long, and um. I just always wanted to work with actors because at the end of the day, I want to make someone's dream come true and I want to be helpful in that. I like love taking care of people and that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm like a caretaker of a career of sorts. Yeah. Right. So I think the moment I got the job, I was like, I only want talent and that's all I want. And like the, inter- I, you know, I interviewed for other stuff, but I would be upfront and be like, I'm really interested in being in the talent department like that's really ultimately what I want to do and then I just like I kept being so not pushy or aggressive about it I was just very open and communicative and honest like I love your business and I respect what you do and I think it's incredible I just ultimately want to work with actors and that's like such a specific type of job (laughs) working with actors rather than like working with directors or producers or below the line or yeah non-scripted and sports and like it's just such a different beast (laughs) so i just knew it and stuck with my guns and i got very lucky and i got to do that for all three and a half years there so how do you know if you want to work with actors based (laughs) off what you're saying how do you know if you'd enjoy being in casting more versus the representation side which you're on now um so i feel like from my friends that have, that are in casting, what they've told me, they love being introduced to new talent, you know, and like finding that exciting person and like doing the big break or like working on great projects and piecing it all together. I think I like the personal aspect where like I find someone that I think is absolutely brilliant and I know something is going to happen. I just don't know when and to be on that whole journey must feel incredible. Like I think I always bring this back to like Oscar speeches, like, when um, Julianne Moore won Best Actress, she thanked her manager of 20 years. 20 years. That's incredible. And then when Emma Stone won, she thanked her manager of 15 years. You know, all this stuff. And you think about, like, wow, who were they when they were just green and starting this whole journey? And I feel like that's, like, the most exciting part of it all. And that, I like, I love that. I would love to be part of that. Even though there's ebbs and flows, like, every kind of like monumental break is going to be just as exciting, you know? Right. 
Right. I like, I couldn't imagine. So as the caretaker of people's <laughs> careers right now, yeah. what kind of things are you looking for to help push them forward? Like, let's start with just very simply oh when a gosh. script comes in. Yeah. How do you, how do you identify and break it down and figure out who it's right for? Um, well now, because I'm more on like the, I have a lot of like greener talent or people who are like about to have their big break. It's more like I'm supposed to be in lockstep with casting and what they're working on, what's actively going and what I can help with in that sense. It's not like I do read as much as possible, but it'll be more for like a higher level client. Like, okay, does this make sense for you? Do you want to, should we package it around him? Or this director is doing this great thing. You should just meet and see what it is about. That kind of stuff. Kind of like more big picture. Or like things that could help in the future. Whereas um, with a lot of my clients now that I have, it's more of like, okay, I want to get you in front of these casting directors for this project. Or you should just go read for this project because this casting director is also working on something else with this person. Or like they're the casting director for... um, like Darren Aronofsky or something like mm-hmm. just you, you never know and you just it's educating them about what it's all about or like especially with all the different like platforms coming out like I remember I was like one of my clients was like in the mechs for a pilot and he and we were talking to him about it and he was like wait can I ask you something I was like what he's like what's HBO Max and like it's just teaching them more about like what is going on and yeah. how we can best like adapt to it and thrive in it if that makes sense totally. but you know like the hbo max question totally took me out of i was like oh wait yeah like let me explain this to yeah. all to you because you know he was just like is it like hbo in any sense like i've done that like is that the tone and i was like oh my gosh no not at all <laughs> you know i yeah. mean maybe eventually down yeah. the road but like the certain project he was in the mix for i was like this is not the tone at no. all. <laughs> <laughs> you know and so it's just really like helping them and guiding them with all the right decisions or even if there's pushback i do the same thing like i'll, I'll just be like listen i just think this is a good idea for xyz and if they're still like absolutely adamant about it then i'm like okay well I can't control anyone. I can only change myself. So I will go with it. <laughs> so it seems like with your newer clients, mm-hmm. by newer, I mean newer to the business. Yeah. It's a lot of you having to sync up with the casting directors and see what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the more established clients, it's a lot of you guys have calls coming into you and you have to, you know, weed through them and figure out like, okay, yeah, we can take yeah. this one too. Or even yeah. like setting them up with like people who are coming up through the pipeline that are incredible. Yeah. Like I'm always like, we should meet new young directors like the Safty brothers. Or I knew you were going to say like that. Someone like They've that. They've become like the poster boys for they really new up and coming. Cool. You know, yeah. and they did this movie with yeah. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. And people were like, okay. And then it, it and it was incredible. It was like yeah. once people saw it, they're like, "Oh my god, this is absolutely yeah. incredible." We're talking about good time. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Good time. It yeah. is called good time. <laughs> and then they they uh, recently in the past year came out with uncut gems. Yeah. Yeah. They're you know, it's just meeting people like that. Yeah. And and being like, you should meet with this person or like I feel like Taika Waititi, for example, he had um, um, the movie from New Zealand that's blank the it's blanking from my mind it's like hunt for the wilderness or something 
I'm totally forgetting right I now. I know. Yeah. I forget. I feel horrible because I really like that movie a lot. And um, Julian Dennison stars in it and um, Sam Neill. And it's incredibly like the, I it's the funniest movie I'd watched in so long. Might have been like five years ago. And then he did Ragnarok. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? Like, you know, blowing up because he did such a great job with that franchise. And it really and I think almost like with now with all of those elements of that franchise of the Marvel franchise, I mean, I feel like they've really taken chances on new and up and coming directors and like getting them from like the indie world and stuff like Ryan Coogler. And, you know, yeah, all it's those crazy. People. You yeah. can go from like, like Ryan Johnson, for example. Mm-hmm. What was he doing before Star Wars? He did Brick <laughs> and Brothers Bloom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> which are great movies, but it's very different in scope and scale compared to a Star Wars movie. But it's true. There's or even like Fleck and Bowden just did Captain Marvel. Yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah. how, how many people saw Half Nelson? Which yeah. is a great movie as I well. Know, right. You know? But it's crazy how you can go from doing mm-hmm. a two to five million indie and now then like almost immediately after. Okay. I think even the Russo brothers started off. Hunt for the Wilder People. Hunt for the, the Wilder Taika People. Movie. The Taika movie. Yeah. yeah. But even the Russo brothers and some of the <laughs> biggest names now. Truly. We're starting off doing small budget indie movies. Yeah. And there are people who just have this like great new voice and perspective to bring it to a wider audience is incredible. And so it's our job as representatives to be aware of that before they do the big franchise or the right. big movie or something like that. So, And know. how are you, how are you staying on top of that? Especially now that there's so much content, <laughs> there's so how do you, how do you figure out, okay, yeah, this is a cool director. We should set up our client with that person. Yeah. I mean, I try and watch as much as I possibly can. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a little bit harder, like, but we also have like a lot of my colleagues go to all the festivals and they really make their rounds there and they're like, this person's great. And like, I trust all of their opinions. Like that's what makes us all a great team. So just like having our eyes on everything, even if it's a short film and then they're like, Oh, this is going to be a full feature or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's watching everything. It's reading as much as possible, which can be good or bad because sometimes you'll sift through so much bad and then you'll find the good and you're like oh my god finally it just took so long you know it's it's that kind of stuff just being educated as much as possible about what's going on so that you can be like a better voice to your clients in terms of like hey this is all that's going on and what these people are working on and it's even like tv has surged so much but like i feel like a few years back people were like oh like we don't care like it's gonna be nine seasons on the air or whatever and you know now it's much more three seasons and out (laughs) not only that but like even with limited and stuff it's so beautiful i think before like when big little lies came out everyone was like oh my god it can be really truly stunning and feel like a feature yeah but it's eight episodes yeah that's how i felt (laughs) about the people who are so yeah yeah i mean truly it's yeah. all that like people just hadn't or thought true, about detective. It. True, de- true detective true season detective season one to this day is still yeah is haunting oh my gosh what was it the six minute tracking shot oh my uh, god yeah <laughs> from um carrie yeah. fukunaga yeah. oh my i mean i still i think people to this day are still like wow he just it was yeah. groundbreaking i felt in that sense and yeah. then he won the emmy but like had a rat tail and I was like, this is like an up and coming filmmaker. People should know about. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) totally. It was just incredible. But all of that is starting to bleed over into different parts of the industry that 
maybe people hadn't thought about working in before. Right. Right. Like the movie star can be the TV star as well. Right. In, in this trajectory of launching someone's career though, Mm -hmm. especially now, you know, there are more opportunities, but that also means there's probably more rejection. There's more competition, more competition for sure. sure, Which means you, you still have to break bad news to your clients. Hopefully not too often, but, (laughs) but it happens. It's part of the business. How do you, I don't know if protect your client is the right word or protecting their ego, but how do you go about conveying rejection to a client? See, I always see rejection not as a bad thing because I'm like, I'm so glad you got in front of those people because you never know what's going to come, you know, like especially when they're starting out or like we're still waiting for that big break. It is a lot of rejection, but at the end of the day, all of those no's means that there was so many eyes on you and you got in front of the right people or like say if you have someone testing for a pilot or for a show and they're in front of all these network execs and producers, casting, the creatives, all these people and they don't get it. I'm still so glad that you had so many eyeballs on you and people saw your talent because it should be shown and like, radiating across the world you know like you're just so happy that they had the opportunity yeah and i think it like at first like oh my gosh but then when you put into that type of perspective they're like wow i wouldn't have done this x years ago or something you know like or i couldn't have done this if you hadn't put me up for it or pitched me for it or you know whatever yeah it's it's see it what may seem like a rejection in the moment Mm mm-hmm might actually pay off much later. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they're like, they're going to remember you. Always. Yeah. And I I think that's like the beauty of it because maybe they have something better coming through the pipeline or maybe that casting director is working on something else with like someone else. And, you know, everyone has like their different relationships and it's just learning about them and trying to figure out like, okay, who do I eventually want to work with or the type of things that I want to do and trying to like utilize those relationships in that sense, yeah. you know? Yeah. I was on a production and got to see auditions for it and there was an actress I recognized mm-hmm. and then she didn't end up getting it. Mm-hmm. And then within a month or two, she got cast as the series regular on another show, yeah. another series mm-hmm. that is still going strong. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. It worked out for her. Yeah, because if she got this gig, she couldn't have been able to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's totally what it is. It's just putting it all into perspective or even like when your client's more established or like we think you should do these like two or three episodes on a great show because you'd be working opposite these movie stars or whatever, you know what it is or being with this creative team that eventually has this great project. It's trying to compartmentalize all the information that you know and explain like how this can lead to this and how it all connects and hopefully put like move us one step closer to what you want to do yeah it seems like it's an equation because you know with different variables so one variable might be how passionate your client is about the project yeah and there could be a situation where they are super passionate but maybe there's no creative entities but they're Mm -hmm. super passionate about Mm -hmm. it and they want to they want to do it and they'll kick butt in that role and it'll move <laughs> them up right yeah or yeah like you're saying maybe the equation on that side is i'm like kind of passionate about this project that mm-hmm. could 
my life will go on <laughs> if I don't do it. But I get the opportunity to work with this director I've always wanted to work with or act opposite this actor actress mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be yeah. in a scene with. It's it's crazy and people don't realize it at first because it's so like on the surface it it seems horrible just like going in for auditions and even if you're lucky enough to get like even get in the room for auditions or like a lot of it's self tape now just because technology has made the world so small. Um, but if you're lucky enough to be in the room and like what does that mean and who what are these people are working on and stuff, it's just educating them and like helping them understand what's going on you know like it not just like in that present moment but like this is what they're working on in the future this is what's going on or yeah you know that kind of stuff backing it up for a second though about how do they even get in the room because like (laughs) like you're saying it's a lot of self-taping yeah so the genesis of a job it starts on (laughs) breakdown or backstage it's how does how do you definitely at least when you're at a bigger hub it's usually like you hear about the scripts or what's going what's selling what's what your clients are putting together all that stuff so it's um on that type of scale where you can start like floating the ideas by but like um for where i'm at right now because i'm a little bit younger i'm like on the breakdowns or like you know connecting with everyone that i know around town about like what's getting made and what's happening who should they meet with you know who's the right person to contact for this, that kind of stuff. So a lot of it starts from there, just putting forth like, Hey, these are, this is my brilliant person. You, they won't disappoint you, that kind of stuff. And then hoping to get in the room. Cause I think in the room really matters. Like, honestly, I'll take a tape, obviously any audition I'll take, but I think being in the room matters because when people get to see how you shine brightly, just as yourself, as your normal persona rather than the person you're taking on. I think it makes a huge deal if people want to work with you or not. Mm, that's interesting. So a lot of the success of an audition can actually come from before and after Yeah. the actual audition. I really think so. I would think like if, if you can take notes well in the room and do a different take and do what yeah. they want and, you know, be a good professional working actor. Yeah people will be more inclined to work with you and want to hire you. Right. At least from what I think I can like, I don't know. I would just think if someone had a bad attitude or couldn't take notes or like that, you're not as inclined to be like putting them up as the choice, so to speak. So how do you push for your clients to get in the room? Cause <laughs> that can be hard. Yeah. It's really freaking hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just like, phoning them up showing them the right tapes or like previous auditions that they've done that's phoning them meaning the casting director yeah Yeah. and telling them like hey they've done this character before and like really well like here it is like this is what you're is this what you're looking for like great you should see them in the room they're here they're available they like a lot for me because we work with a lot of people that are not from the u.s i'm like they have a green card they have a (laughs) they have no one visa you know things like that so why not give them a chance yeah it's kind of the end all be all that we try to get to (laughs) got it got it so you've talked a lot about your collaboration with your clients Mm -hmm. how is the collaboration with your coworkers? because that's a big part of the game too that's my team those are my people that are backing me and um i love my team so much it's a little bit smaller than what people would think of when they watch like entourage or something but um mine's a little bit smaller but we all 
work such not like in tandem but like we all co-represent our people so we're all in the know of what's going on and what we're working on for them and what we're pushing for and what's right and making sure that they know about it too or like when they get an audition we like make sure that all of the thoughts that we had been thinking are conveyed to them so that they know everything that's going on you know I love my team so much and I got very lucky because it was they had been at like the previous iteration of the company and then all moved over and then I was the new girl (laughs) and they took me in really well and I feel like I haven't been working with them for only two two years you know it feels like it's been an eternity yeah (laughs) but it's it's been great and they've integrated me in every way with all the people that we represent or even the people that we've been signing and stuff so I mean, I adore them and they, and everyone has their own relationships too, which are great because then we can just lean on each other for all the different types of things that we want to achieve, you know? Right. Yeah. So as far as just asking them like, Hey, what is your client working on? Are there systems in place like certain weekly meetings or certain formats you guys have in place to (laughs) convey information? Yeah. And, and like our offices are right next to each other. Like you can just walk in and that kind of stuff. So it's great. We're all very communicative and honest and open with each other, which is great. Cause if I feel like I tell like everyone who's like looking to find the representation, I'm like, you really have to trust them and like them and know that they're going to do well for you. Cause you don't want to be going forward in life and looking back and your team is like discombobulated. Right. You need to have like a very solid foundation behind you. Yeah. It's true. So going back to that thing you were just saying about how Emma Stone, you know, thanks her manager of 15 years. How do yeah. you go about finding today the Emma Stone 15 years earlier version? Oh my God. What are you doing to find that person? I mean, it's, uh, I feel like there's so many talented people out there and only so much, so many opportunities for them. But, um, so fine. But, but like everyone still at the back of their mind loves having a discovery. I think like, Oh, I discovered this person and put them in my movie or, you know, I think people love a good discovery story. Yeah. And so a lot of it is like going to showcases or just being in tune with like the drama schools or, um, a lot of it is referral because especially for us, cause we don't, we work with a lot of like, foreign countries and so we've made great relationships with those countries and those local agents and so we get a lot of referrals through that i go we go to a lot of showcases i try and like you know find out like what (laughs) like i've had friends be like oh this person is like about to graduate from this school like you should check them out and like all that stuff and so you take all of that to heart you know, especially if they're people you trust and you, and you like highly value their opinion. So that's great. And then from there, it's hopefully getting to meet them and see what they're really about and the kind of person that they are, you know? And if, and if the talent plus like your personal connection with them, like, uh, all balances out, then why not? Why not try and make this person's dream come true if you really believe in it, you know? That's so special. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I feel like I'm such a like, uh, like warm and fuzzy about it all. (laughs) I think that's, I think that's so refreshing because having worked now in the entertainment industry for a few years, I think 
That's uh, not necessarily the common personality. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just I know. say that's not the norm. I'm very like a mom yeah. <laughs> about yeah. it. <laughs> but I think, I think that's refreshing and that's probably exactly what a client would want in a manager, right? Yeah. You want that kind of support. Yeah. I just, I just feel like people know that because it's getting bigger and bigger than it is or like, I feel like, well, I grew up in Texas, so I didn't really know how big this world was. X amount of years ago, but I feel like now it's just grown exponentially and it's still surging. But these people who have been acting for so long still want to act that long. And the people who are coming up want their big break. And the people who are discoveries are catapulted from like to stardom. You know, you, d- you don't think about where they came from. They just came out of nowhere and you want to put them in everything because they're so brilliant, you know? So there's all that. So like fighting to break through all of that is crazy. And I feel like it takes a lot of patience and confidence in yourself and all this stuff. And so I couldn't imagine doing that alone. Like, I think that's what I think about at the end of the day. I was like, I feel like I respect actors so much because what they're doing is incredibly being incredibly vulnerable and brave and like open to judgment. Because that's what they're yeah. doing at the end of the day. Well, and like that, that actually feeds into my last question before we get into the fun stuff <laughs> oh, is, yeah. you know, I've, I've been on, I've been, I've interned around casting people. Mm-hmm. I've been on the showrunner side and I've mm-hmm. heard conversations between showrunners and the casting director mm-hmm. and it can get really personal. Yeah. And so much of, you know, the rejection <laughs> that comes with casting comes from factors beyond the actor's control. Like Completely. they maybe just didn't want someone with green eyes. Yeah. You know, and so how or they're going to cast someone that they've already worked with because they know how great they, they are with, or it can even be like kind of vicious. Like <laughs> that person needs to lose a few pounds. Mm-hmm. So or it could even be a little more craft based, which is like, I don't know yet if they can pull off, you know, the mad scientist vibe or yeah. whatever it is. So how do you go about if there is something constructive that could be gleaned? How do you go about communicating that? I mean, like, do you say like, yo, you should get on a diet? Like, No. So, <laughs> I have not had to have that conversation <laughs> yeah. at all yet, yeah. which is great. I've heard stories of that having yeah. to be done slash I've like heard it through my many jobs that I've had. But I think it is on me to get feedback and notes and tell them how to improve because it's how we both improve at the end of the day. It's like, okay, if I know this about you, like let's work on this together. Like if I know this certain note came back, say from like an in-room audition, that's why you didn't get the job. Then in everything forward, I'm going to make sure that like this, that we keep working together to make this better. And I know on them, they're also going to do coaching and, you know, studying and going to class and, you know, all that stuff that they can be doing on their end as well. You know, it has to be open and honest. Like at the end of the day, you can't just be like, okay, well you just didn't get it. And they're like, why? I felt so great. I thought I did well. I made it to the last round. You know, they think on the surface level, whereas we know there's so many elements behind it, you know? So it's our job to do right by them. And in those cases where you find out it is something beyond their control, like it was, you know, somebody the casting director or the director has worked with before. Yeah. Do you just tell them, hey, look, this this one, they just went with someone they knew. Yeah. A lot of, uh, I mean, you have to be honest with that 
from the beginning though. Yeah. If you know a certain person is going up for the same role as your person, what like what the chance not what the chances are but being like you should do your best even though we know they've done this together or like you should like it's all about like putting your best version of yourself out there every day like even i think that about yeah. myself as, as just like behind the computer or the telephone or whatever and you know it does suck but i'm like if someone doesn't get something but I'm so glad they got in front of those people anyway. Cause then they'll be like, Oh, well, like I remember her when she tested for my show or my movie. And like, I actually really did like her. Mm. Let's bring her back straight to the director or like straight to, you know, it'll just, it adds more value at right. the end of the day. Right. At the end of the day, it just adds more value and you can be open and honest. And like, I work with a lot of people who are not names and I work with people that are names and sometimes if you're a name, you're at more of an advantage because you've already proven that you can be successful. Right. Whereas these, it's, it's trying to help someone understand why you should take the chance, you know? Right. And like in this business, I feel like right now we're so like risk averse and we've seen some losses like in the box office or some losses on TV and like some losses in like, I don't know, digital stuff, you know, it's just getting harder and harder to nail it because the traditional way of like say seven years on a broadcast network that's changing as well it's all changing so it's just trying to set us up for success well i love the optimistic way you <laughs> you look at the process because there are so many points at which it can feel really defeating and i like yes. how you've you found a way to move forward in a positive constructive way and provide that ethos yeah. for your clients I was like told I have the virtue of patience and I feel like it's just, it's getting tested every day. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's, it's certainly helped me. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So now, now that we've gotten that component out of the way, uh, we yeah. will transition to the fun questions. Yeah. No one wants to hear the boring. No, no one wants the craft <laughs> questions. No, no, the, the, the craft is great. And I just like to do a smooth outro with some mm -hmm. ramp down with some fun questions. Yeah. So, What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Um, I always ask for 10 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad about that. Yeah. In my defense, like we wake up very early to yeah. try and like, we always wake up at 530, try and go work at at sex just because I think it's, it puts my mind into a different perspective if I work out in the morning or move around in some yeah. way. But I'm always like 10 more minutes, please. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Especially if you're waking up that early. Mm -hmm. Good for you. <laughs> What's an app you can't live without, not including, you know, the phone or text app? Oh, um, I thought about this. I have one for like my health, like my women's health. And that one I truly cannot live without. But for like universal purposes, I use Hopper, like nobody's business. It just That's a travel app, right? Yeah. yeah. So it tracks like the prices of flights. And um, I have to go to like four weddings this year. So I'm like... <laughs> I input all of them as soon as I got the save to date and I'm just like waiting patiently into like the best day to buy. And I swear by yeah. it. Yeah, That's a great way to use it. Cause as I understand it, the app will kind of ping you once it's a good time to buy. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They just set up the notifications like this is where I'm going, or this is like kind of the area I want to fly into because of the different airports. And then you find out like mm. what, what's going on or if like one way or what, if it's, a direct flight does that how does that affect the price and all that stuff so it's it's really great yeah. in that sense i live by it yeah i really do so if you could wake up tomorrow having gained one quality or ability what would it be um 
this is very superficial, but I also, because I did it today, but I wish I could have like freshly manicured and pedicured like hands and feet. Cause I feel like as much as I kind of hate this, it is a representation of how you carry yourself and care for yourself. And like for so long I had these grown out gel nails and I was like, people can tell that I don't care. I'm not taking care of myself. And I, you know, I want to be seen in a good way, (laughs) but yeah, the freshly manicured, that's what I would love. (laughs) Truly. Well, they look good now. I know, right? You people can't see, but they are purple (laughs) and glittery. (laughs) And what's something you can't travel without? My grandmother's ring. I wear it uh, all the time just because I feel like she's my guardian angel. She always has been. And I like wear it every day. I almost lost it once at work, but somebody returned it to me. I felt I was, I thought like a piece of my heart had escaped out of my body or something. It was crazy, but I use it. I wear it all the time just because I know she's with me, you know? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And lastly, what's your jam? Jam is in song. I know. And I was like, when I hear of jam, people are like, oh, my favorite song of the yeah. moment. But I think it's like a song that you always come back to. And I love um, Follow Your Arrow by Casey Musgraves. Okay. It's like one of her very earlier things but i heard that song in like my freshman or sophomore year of college and it just stuck with me i'm obviously yeah wearing the shirt now i'm wearing the shirt when i saw her last year but i love that song because it's just like do your own thing no one's judging you like a very positive thing but i also like you know jam can be like your favorite karaoke song or something and that's different for me no that's great (laughs) before we sign off if anybody did want to check out the women's health app that you Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's called Clue. Clue. Okay. Clue. It's the best. All right. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, So that about wraps it up for us. If somebody would love to learn more about Forward or learn more about your work at Forward, how can they follow you? Um, We have a website, which is great. And then I'm trying. Forward spelled F-O-U-R-W-A-R-D. Like the number four. Like the number four. And the four represents our four lanes of business, which is... um, production film and tv representation music and corporate so you'll see it the website is like forward.com it's a guy running but then when you scroll down you'll learn more about what we do it's very cool (laughs) very cool and if you'd like to follow the pod you can do that at hdyd pod thank you ivana oh this was so fun fun. (laughs) i know this is so exciting (laughs) 